Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Floodcast. Today is day 208 of our Bible in Year Challenge and we are continuing on our readings. Today we are going to be looking through the books of Isaiah chapter 37 to 38, Baruch chapter 5 to 6, and Proverbs chapter 11 verses 25 to 28. And the topic for today, the theme for today's episode is the living God. Because in our readings from Isaiah and from Baruch, we're going to be seeing a very clear distinction between God and with a capital G, the living God, God, the God, and gods with a small letter G, which is the idols and the foreign gods that all of those foreign nations that the exile are being taken into exile worship. So first of all, before we go into that, that'll be later at the end of the episode, I'll draw the comparisons. We would begin with the book of Isaiah. So in Isaiah chapter 37 and 38, it talks about this amazing story that we have probably read before because it was one of the best, um, I don't know, the best story that I have read so far. Um, we have definitely seen this in Second uh, Kings and Second Chronicles, and it's talking about king hezekiah and what he did when he received threats from the assyrians so king hezekiah heard um, about what the assyrian officials were saying in the previous episodes we talked about how the assyrian officers were bragging that they were going to destroy the israelites and destroy the city of jerusalem and they had no help coming from anywhere and so King Hezekiah heard this, and I want us to follow the sequence of actions that King Hezekiah takes after he hears this horrific message. Okay, he hears it, and then he puts in sackcloth, and then he goes into the temple. He hears this terrible news, he puts in sackcloth, and then he goes into the temple. And I think we can learn so much from this. Is that the first thing that Hezekiah does when he hears this bad news, when he acknowledges that this is beyond his power, this is beyond his intelligence, this is beyond his planning as a king, is that he realizes that he is nothing. He realizes that he cannot, on his own, by his own power, change what is about to happen. And him putting on sackcloth is acknowledging that he is weak he humbles himself and then he goes to the one whom he trusts he goes to the one whom he knows has the power to change things he goes into the temple of god he goes into the presence of the lord and we can learn from this so much because so many times when we are confronted with obstacles when we are confronted with bad news there are two things that we tend to do first of all is that Sometimes, if we are arrogant enough, we feel like we can control what is about to happen. We feel like we can do something to change um, the situation. We feel like we can solve it on our own. And most oftentimes are not, that ends up in a disaster because we cannot. And then another thing that we tend to do is that we realize that this is beyond our control. This is beyond our power. And then we turn into despair and we lose the battle even before it has begun. We just accept our faith, in quote, and accept whatever bad thing is about to happen. 
both of those both of those reactions are not what we as Christians are expected to do when we're faced with hard circumstances, when we're faced with bad news, when we're faced with a terrible message. Because number one, yes, we do know that we are weak and we cannot do anything to change what is about to happen. But we realize that we have someone who can. And it is one thing to know that God can change your situation, to know that God can help you. It is another thing to be humble enough to go to him for help. So let us just keep that at the back of our minds, that whatever it is we're facing, however small, however big, God wants to help you. But you have to be humble enough to realize that he can help you and that he will help you if you ask for his help. And it is funny that this threat did not come just once from the Assyrians. It came multiple times. It actually came twice that is recorded. First by the Assyrian officials. And then second, the Assyrian emperor himself sends a letter directly to King Hezekiah telling him that he cannot change what is about to happen. That he's pretty sure his God had told him that nothing is going to happen in the city because he probably sensed that they were not going to surrender any moment. And so he sent that letter just telling Hezekiah, you know what, you have made the worst decision for yourself and for your people because we are going to come down in you like a thunderstorm, practically destroy and level your city. And this second letter would be would have been enough to break the heart of any strong king, of any powerful king, because the Assyrians had like a long trail of cities and powerful nations that they have destroyed they had that should i say they had that prestige for destroying cities and you know it was time for um, them to come to jerusalem i cannot even imagine how scared everyone in jerusalem was let alone king hezekiah and then he does a very similar thing to this second wave of threat he takes a letter takes a physical letter that comes from the Assyrian emperor and takes it to the temple of God and presents it there. And when he does that, he prays, but his prayer did not begin by asking God to come to his aid, to save him, to destroy the Assyrians, to help them in a miraculous way. His prayer begins by praising God. He says, Almighty Lord, God of Israel, you alone are God. That is so powerful and it literally gives me goosebumps. What is the first thing you say when you go to God in prayer? And the state of your heart when you go to God in prayer is so important because it determines entirely why you are even praying to God in the first place. Sometimes we pray to God like we're talking to a genie and we just want him to grant our every desire and wishes. Hezekiah praising God first is him acknowledging that I know you can do this. I know you are God. You alone are God. There is no one that is God except you. And being God means you can do anything. Being God means you can make impossible possible. Being God means that there is nothing you cannot, there is, there is no limit to your power. So I know that you are that person that can change the situation. I know that for a fact. That is what I know. And bruh, 
I just got goosebumps to literally read in those words because we need to have the conviction when we're going to God in prayer. How much do we trust that God can change our lives and our circumstances? How much do we trust that God can help us? Do we just go to God because, you know, someone online said that I can go to God and ask for help? Or are we truly sure that if there is anyone that can help us, it is him? And then after he says these words, and then he goes on to ask God for help, he ends with these words as well. He said, rescue us from the Assyrians so that all the nations of this world will know that you alone are God. Don't rescue us because I want to take all of the praise and all of the praise that and, and all of the worship that will come from defeating the Assyrians. You know, being king, if they successfully defeated the Assyrians, it would be that it was King Hezekiah that rescued the city of Jerusalem. And there would be that tendency of the people to praise him and to make songs about him. But the state of his heart was that save us, not because of me. Save us not because I want to be that person that people make songs about or that people praise or that people think, but save us because I want to know, I want the whole world to know that you alone are God. In the beginning of the prayer, he said, Almighty Lord, you alone are God. I know that you are God. But these people don't know that. Probably some people who were crying or who were in terror in Jerusalem don't know that. The Assyrian officials do not know that. The Assyrian emperors do not know that. There are so many people who do not know that you are God, but I know that you are God. And so save us. Let that be a sign to everyone who witnesses what happens, that you are God. And if there's anything, if there's anything we know that we're sure is that God wants the praise. God wants the worship. God wants the adoration. And I cannot even begin to imagine how many times we fail to recognize this in our prayer. Sometimes we want God to give us that job because we want to be seen as that important person socially. Sometimes we want God to heal us so that we can go on living in the ungodly way that we've been living. Sometimes we want God to make some things happen in our lives so that people will get to see us as more important and as more special than we are. But here we realize, in all things, for all things, through all things, God wants his name to be praised and to be glorified. It kind of reminds me of that instance when um, Jesus was passing along with his disciples and then they come across a blind man. And then the disciples ask Jesus, is this man blind because of his sins or because of the sin of his parents? Jesus responded and said, this man is blind so that the glory of the Lord will be shown and will be proven. And I can't imagine how many things happen in our lives just so that the glory of God will be shown and would be, would be proven. But we overlook those things. And either we don't go to God to help us or we go to him but because we want the praise and the glory from that situation to come to us the state of your heart and intentions in prayer matters and then later on after the prayer god promises through isaiah to defend the city which he does and 
it is in such a miraculous way it is just they don't go they don't even fight in battle if 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 it was the fact that okay the assyrians came to fight the israelites in battle it would kind of give the assyrians some form of dignity even though they would probably lose the battle but it would give them that dignity that okay they fought in the battle but they lost but the way god kills and destroys the assyrians is in such a humble way he sends his angels to slaughter all of them just like that and it reminds me of how in so many ways so many instances that i've seen god move in my life it happens in ways that logically does not make sense <laughs> literally when i try to find an explanation as to why things happen this way or how god answered this prayer there is no logical reasoning to how those things happen and that is because when god wants to move in our lives he doesn't want any other thing to take the glory he doesn't want any other thing to take that position except him and that is what he does here there was, there was no explanation how the assyrians died or how they were totally slaughtered even before going into battle but it happened because this was a way to show that he was involved in that situation and then later on we see that hezekiah falls sick and then he prays, he cries to God and he prays. And God extends the life of Hezekiah by 15 years through prayer. If there is one thing we can take away from this episode, from our readings today, is that there is power in prayer. I was reading, I'm, I'm current, I think it was, yeah, I think I'm currently going through the course. But um, in one of the episodes, it said, um, prayer is allowing God to love you. Each time we decide and we go to God in prayer, we are allowing God to love us. There are so many times before that I would not take some things to God in prayer, either because I thought, you know what, this is just too small. God does not care about this little aspect of my life when he has other big things to deal with. Or sometimes I wouldn't take some things to God in prayer because I feel, do I really deserve this? Do I... <laughs> Given my traits, given my terrible sins, would God really want to help me this time? Do I really deserve this? And so many times we close the door on ourselves when God wants it to be wide open. Let God love you because he wants to love you. He wants to show that he is always with you to help you and to see you through your darkest moments. And prayer is you giving him the opportunity to do that. And then after Hezekiah got well, he praised God in chapter 38, verses 16. He says this words. He says, Lord, I will live for you and for you alone. Hezekiah is a man of praise. Uh, we know David as a very popular king of praise. But also we see that Hezekiah is also amount of praise he puts praise before his prayer he puts praise after his prayer he puts praise after the solution to his prayer and we can learn from that that even when we understand what is going on we choose to praise god even when we don't understand what is going on we still choose to praise god there's another quote i don't know i have like this very random sessions that happens in my mind like i literally read quotes from different places and then when i'm talking it just comes out from nowhere but i cannot remember where i saw that quote i don't know 
I'm probably the only one that this happens to, maybe I'm not. But there's this quote I remember just now and says, when God adds another day to our lives, he doesn't do so because we need it, but he does so because someone else needs it. God adds extra days to our lives, not because we need it, but because someone else needs it. And obviously, when we get to see another day, we have to do things for us. We have to eat, of course, because you need to live throughout the day. And you have other things you want to do, but what this quote is essentially saying is that we live for each other and god gives us the grace of each day so that we can help each other out through whatever things or events that we are passing through and so as we begin our day or as we are going through our day or as we end our day depending on when you're listening to this episode let us have that at the back of our minds that every extra second every extra minute hour and day that we have added to our lives it is an opportunity for us to help someone else. It is an opportunity for us to show someone else how much God loves them. It is an opportunity for us to show someone else that God is a true and living God. And then we move to Baruch, Baruch chapter 5 and 6. Um, chapter 5, I think chapter 5 was a very good verse. It is one of uh, the very few verses that we see that are actually good messages. So the Israelites are not talking about exile. Um, In chapter 5, verses 9, it says, God will lead Israel home. They will return with great joy, guided by his mercy and righteousness, surrounded by the light of his glorious presence. And we know for a fact that even though God sent the people of Israel to exile because they sinned and they turned away from him, he never turned away from them. He loved them when he took them out of Egypt. He loved them through the desert. He loved them when they got to the promised land. He loved them through their time in the promised land. He loved them even while they were going into exile. He loved them even in exile. He loved them out of exile. He has always loved them. And this just gives me so much happiness to know that nothing we can do, no sin of ours, no weakness of ours, no circumstances of ours is strong enough to separate us from the love of God. It reminds me of my favorite verse of the Bible, Romans 8, 8. There is nothing, no power, no spirit, no dominion, no nothing can separate us from the power, from the love of God. That is such good news. That is just something that we need to go over through our day because there are just so many things as we move in each day that just tells us that we are not good enough or we are not worthy enough or we're not worth it or we're not pretty enough or we are not smart enough or we're not rich enough that just tells us that we are not enough and this just this is that that breath of fresh air that god loves us even though we're not enough so you know if the almighty god can love us the way we are then there is really no reason to change ourselves. But that that doesn't mean that we should continue in our sins or in anything. It means that we can go to God to help us overcome whatever we are battling with. So we don't have to face those things alone because God is with us. And then in chapter 6, there is this warning to the Israelites as they go into exile into Babylon. So it is pretty much standard at this point why Baruch is writing this letter that okay the israelites you guys are going into exile like there's there's no stopping that it's gonna happen 
But these are some things that you should look out for. These are some things that you should be wary of. Number one, obviously, you're going into Babylon. It's a foreign nation. They do not acknowledge God as their God. And so you're going to see so many idols. You're going to see so many gods with a small letter G. So many heathen gods are going to be worshipped. And so it warns them of two things. It says, do not let this gods fill you with fear. And number two, do not worship these gods. And pretty much the whole of chapter six talks about how practically lifeless these gods are. There is no reason why you should fear them because they're not even alive in the first place. They are literally statues that have no life in them. And you should not worship them because they cannot even help themselves, let alone help you. And this is where the comparison comes within between believing God that works in the life of the Israelites in the time of King Hezekiah by defeating the Assyrians in such a miraculous way. And these other heathen gods that cannot even close and open their eyes by themselves. But while we're living now, we know that it's not that simple. There are also spirits and evil spirits. There are also demons. There are also powers that are not of God, that do not succumb to God, that have the power to actually harm us. They have the power to harm other people because we are covered by the blood of Jesus. They, they they will not harm us. But we realize that there are some foreign powers in play in our day-to-day lives that can actually do a lot of bad and harm to us. But we're reminded that while we leave our lives in whatever country, in whatever nation you find yourself, there are going to be other gods that people worship. There are going to be people that do not believe in the true and living God, you're going to be people that do not worship the true and living God. But we are reminded, number one, to not fear them. Because our God is the God and he will protect us. And we're also told to not worship them because all worship belongs to the true and living God. And as we're reminded of this today, I hope that God keeps this truth in our hearts and helps us to live it out through whatever circumstances whatever events happens um all through the day and through the week thank you so much for listening this far um i hope to continue in this trend of diving deep into the word and not just giving surface explanations because i'm trying to get over each episode this is a new year this is 2024 so pray for me to have (laughs) the strength and the perseverance and i'm also praying for you guys Thank you so much for listening this far. I hope to see you guys in the next episode. And please have an amazing day.